This episode of the Golf Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month. Start making smarter bets today. We're also brought to you by Cut. Cut is the peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Head to cut.com. That's K-U-T-T.com. Use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. And we're also brought to you by the Sports Gaming Podcast Patreon. The guys just dropped their bonus behind-the-scenes episode of Sean Green winning $200,000 in DraftKings. Plus, this week's pri- uh, pick and prize is free uh, $250 for a $250 Super Bowl Square. Uh, go to sportsgamingpodcast.com slash Patreon. One today. All right, DJs. Uh, good morning. How are you? I uh, hope you have a nice uh, cup of coffee for this. Uh, for me, at least, chilly uh, Sunday morning. For you, maybe not so much. But uh, it's Steve Shermer here with the Waste Management Phoenix Open uh, preview this year. Uh, you know, we got a couple tournaments going on right now. I, like I predicted, I think before the tournament, I don't think we're going to see any PGA Tour golf today. We're going to get 65, 70 mile per hour winds. A lot of rain. They're going to push into Monday. But I also saw a scenario where if the course is deemed unplayable on Monday and they can't get it ready before you know half the field actually completes the round on Monday, they are going to actually revert back to the 54-hole leaderboard, which I am sure is going to make everyone very happy. If you had an outright on Oberg or JT or Detree and you know maybe they take the lead on Monday, but half the field doesn't finish, they're going to just scrap the round entirely and declare Wyndham Clark the winner. So I'm sure that's going to go awesome on Golf Gambling Twitter. Uh, I'm glad that uh, I will be on the sidelines for that. But hey, that's a rub of the green there is what it is. You also got the live event going on right now. That actually will play. I mean, I think they're going to catch a break. The fact that, you know, you got a decent leaderboard. Neiman is leading. I bet him. Uh, hopefully he hangs on. Uh, you got Rom chasing him. You got DJ kind of up there in the mix. I mean, they're pretty far back, but... Listen, the, the the stage is clear for them. So if you want to tune into that, you go to CW. You can see them play Mike Coba. Yesterday actually played kind of entertaining. It was pretty windy. Uh, played a little difficult. And, you know, it was difficult kind of for me, at least, watching it yesterday. Um, you know, I was trying to go back and forth. Obviously, I had bets on both. But, you know, I mean, he had Pebble Beach that, you know, okay leaderboard. <clears throat> Not a ton of energy. I think for me, the, uh, the curtain's been pulled behind uh, with Oz. And I've seen kind of what this tournament is now, what this tour is, and <clears throat> it's not quite as meaningful what it was. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> but then you also have Liv, which has not a lot of energy. But uh, I want to talk about this more with Jeff Feinberg, I think, on Tuesday. He's, you know, I think uh, maybe a amenable audience's take. But there's been some pushback about why Liv is starting to go after this, this thing trip. And I think it, I finally understood why yesterday that they're on is because I think watching golf, you know, for the us 5% of people who want to devote time to the weekend, you plan out your schedule, you get in a mindset of you're going to watch golf. And I think a lot of people, the casuals kind of get in that mindset too. What the problem with live was, you know, obviously no one was watching. You can debate about the fact whether it's meaningful or not. I'm kind of on the side of it's not meaningful, but if you're not actually getting an audience who has a mindset of I'm going to watch golf this week, well, of course they're not going to watch. It doesn't matter at that point. They're not even going to watch the John Deere. They're just not checked in at that point. But I mean, if no one was watching on the off weeks anyways, at least you have a, you know, a larger audience that is maybe amenable to watching golf on a weekend. You can just flip back and forth. Maybe they can get lucky with a really good leaderboard at the top and maybe a dud leaderboard like what happened at Farmers Insurance Open last week. 
You know, I mean, it's a new strategy for them to try and get people get some eyeballs. We'll see if it works. We'll see what the ratings hold. I don't expect them to actually draw a measurable Nielsen rating, but you know, it's it's not great for golf fans right now. Uh, you know, I, I wish I, I was watching both and just wishing they both were all just playing under one roof. But that is those tournaments. If you're sweating bets right now, good luck with you. We are moving on to uh, the WM Phoenix Open. This is the People's Open. This is the only events. Uh, on the PJ Tour that can actually generate organic mainstream buzz on its own. Uh, you know, they try and do that with the Players' Championship. I don't think it's all that successful. But this one, this is the one that makes Sports Center. This is the one that where they get all different Twitter streams where uh, I think PointsBet did a, uh, a stream on its own, like a gambling one on its own. Uh, I know there's other ones that are going to have different variety of guests doing play-by-play. This is one they pull up all the stops for, and there's a good reason for it. Obviously, this is Super Bowl weekend. This is degenerate weekend. This is debauchery weekend. You know, eat whatever you want, go whatever you want, bet on whatever you want. And I think this tournament has leaned into the fan aspect great with this. Obviously, you have the 16th green and, you know, the atmosphere behind that. We'll go over that in a little bit. But, you know, I mean, this is a fun event. Unfortunately, it's no, not a signature event anymore. Last year, had the LVSS, so everybody was there. This was, I think, the most fun tournament of the year. And, and it, it was, I think, the high point of the signature events all year long where you had Scottsdale, you had the best field in golf, nothing opposing to it, lead-up Super Bowl, good tournament too. Uh, help that Scotty Shuffler. But um, this year, it doesn't have that. It's sandwiched between two signature events. Obviously, everybody's going to be go playing at Pebble Beach at least till Monday. Uh, and then you got Riviera next week. So the field took a ding. But like I mentioned, I don't think this tournament needs signature status. It has its own identity. It has its own brand. People are going to tune in anyways. You know, you're going to be blocking off your day in Super Bowl Sunday, cooking meals, drinking beer. You're going to throw on golf. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Now, you got another live event next week going opposed to it. We'll see how quickly do with that. But you know, the field took a big of a ding this week, but it's still pretty good. There's a couple of good players. Highlighting the field this week is two-time defending champion Scotty Scheffler. Uh, Scotty, if you were watching yesterday, he had kind of a weird day. I remember at Oak Hill here for the PGA, he was leading him for 54 holes, and it started to rain a lot. And he just was playing like garbage all day. And it was because he couldn't get footing on the tee box. His feet kept slipping. And I noticed the same thing happening yesterday. Like uh, right from the jump, his feet were slipping. Obviously, he slides his feet. You know, he has a little different, uh, you know, unorthodox swing. But like he's got to fix that footwear issue because he was absolutely all over the map with the driver yesterday, which is uncharacteristic for him because and he's one of the best drivers on the PGA Tour. So I don't know what happened. Um, you know, hopefully that's not an issue going forward for him. But this is a great golf course for him. Obviously, the, his putting woes have been. Well chronicle, but on these types of surfaces that we'll get into uh, in a little bit, especially on you know this particular surface too, he's put very well here, and that's why he's the two-time defending champion. There's also another reason why I want to go uh, over why he's successful here, and why I think there's a certain type that's successful here that we'll go over when we go uh, when we dive into Google Earth. But uh, we also have Victor Hovland in the field next week at Phoenix. He actually hasn't been all that good here for whatever reason. I I don't particularly see a reason why he wouldn't be good here. It's a very driver-heavy golf course. It's a golf course that can definitely penalize you if you're spraying it all over the place because of the numerous penalty areas and trouble you can get into. This should be a good golf course for him. For whatever reason, it has not been very good here. I don't know particularly why. Um, and we'll get into the Google Earth reasons. Like his, With his shot shape, 
he should be much better here. Uh, you got Xander, who's probably uh, should have won a couple of these events. I know I think I had a bet on him back in 2020, the year Webb Simpson won. Uh, it was set up perfect for Xander. He was a couple back. He was chasing. I liked in that position. He was terrible on Sunday, but he's always been very good here for obvious reasons that we'll go for. And then you also have Justin Thomas, who's playing very well. Uh, this week, I got bet on him. Um, uh, for I think a positional that I added a couple uh, days ago, we'll be sweating that for Pebble Beach. Now Max Homa, who's been very disappointing at Pebble Beach so far. Let's see if we can bounce back here. Jordan Spieth, Sung J M, Sam Burns are playing really good golf lately. Uh, J T Post and Wyndham Clark. It kind of falls off after that, but top of the board there, a lot of really good names. A lot of names are going to hold the attention of the mainstream viewer. A lot of names that maybe we'll get in the mix and you know create kind of an entertainment Sunday. Uh, I know the executives of uh, NBC this year. <clears throat> because CBS has the Super Bowl, which is probably going to be a downgrade in your coverage. But uh, they're definitely hoping that a, a couple of those guys are in the mix. Um, otherwise, you'll get a farmer's uh, situation where uh, ratings end up being down 40% year over year because the final round, no one really cares. But we'll see what happens. Why don't we take our first break, and then we will dive into Google Earth. I'll show you uh, TBC Scottsdale. <clears throat> I'll show you what's good about it. I'll show you what's not good about it. I'll describe a little more about why I think Looking hold to hold favors a certain um, type of sh shot shape. And we'll go from there. All right. We are brought to you by the SGP Patreon. So the guys just dropped this month's bonus episode, a behind-the-scenes breakdown of Sean's $200,000 win, where he will talk about how great he is that he had Tariq Cohen in his lineup uh, and how I think uh, – I can't remember what the Colts quarterback name was, but whoever, whatever defensive special teams uh, – team he picked that week i think they had like three defensive touchdowns so that was quite a huge win a very hallmark moment for the podcast and if you want to listen to uh the blow by blow uh, breakdown of exactly how sean won two hundred thousand dollars that week uh go to patreon they're also running their patreon picks uh pick em prize it's a free uh 250 square for anyone who's in the patreon plus you have access to all the pick sheets and exclusive channel uh on discord so head over to sportsgamingpodcast.com slash patreon and sign up today and we're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. You have NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball, college football wins in season, and golf as well. There's a lot of golf options. They actually expanded the menu this week uh, for different types of, uh, of things you can uh, make picks for. Uh, you know, up until this point, I've been uh, picking a lot of things, a lot of uh, favorable scoring uh, lines that they have. Probably tomorrow when I go in and do my underdog lineup, I'm probably going to pick uh, hires on stuff, higher round scores, lower on birdies, higher on bogeys. Um, that's probably the direction you want to go to uh, for the final round of the 18th Pebble Beach Pro-Am when you use underdogs. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little cash over an underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up with the promo code GOLFSGPN, that's our own personal uh promo code that you can use to go play golf on there on underdog underdog will double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. It's underdog fantasy promo code golf SGPN uh, underdog fantasy promo code golf SGPN. All right, <clears throat> let's pull up Google earth here. <clears throat> let's uh, zoom out here. So this is, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I have a frog in my throat. I gotta take a drink here. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Sorry, maybe I can have Cam uh, edit this in post. But this is TPC Scottsdale. This is a Tom Weisskopf design. He designed this with Jay Morris in 1986. Uh, it <clears throat> excuse me. It underwent a renovation in 2014 to kind of toughen it up. 
Um, but you know, this is definitely one of the more popular golf courses on PG Tour. It's definitely one of the more popular golf courses that uh, people play just in general. I think there's 43,000 rounds a year here at TBC Scottsdale. There's uh, actually another golf course across the, the way, too. This is the other golf course. Uh, I think there's like 60,000 rounds here. But, um, you know, this is the canvas they're going to be working with this week. And, you know, for the most part, the TBC Scottsdale, the front nine very forgettable. Um, you know, but there is a couple things I want to point out with Scottsdale. So opening uh, hole here, what I noticed going over the holes, because I, I'm doing more of a visual aspect. I want to show you more of the golf course with these previews this year, is that I noticed that there definitely seems to be a fade bias with tee shots and approach shots based on, you know, where hazards are, where you want to start the ball and fade it back, and also how the greens are kind of angled in relation to the fairway. And the first hole is definitely a, a good example of that. So you know, right off the tee here, yeah, bunker at about 292 all the way out here. Let me zoom in. And the optimal uh, tee shot is be start the ball right at the bunker, fade it back into the middle of the fairway. And then once you do that, if you're in the fairway, you got about, you know, a short iron hand. This green promotes a fade for most pin placements. You know, it's angled from about, you know, uh, left to right here, angled a little bit away from the fairway here. Most pin positions can be accessed with a fade, you know. That's pretty good for uh, a guy who likes to have that type of uh, uh, shot shape. Go over to number two here. Not necessarily as much off the tee here, but again, with how the green is angled, we'll zoom here. Again, this is a green that promotes a left to right shot with your iron. So if you're comfortable hitting those types of shots, this green right here is perfect. Start it on the left side, peel it back into, you know, especially with these back right pin locations here. That can work here. And then the par five third. Once again, favors a fade. Start the ball out at this bunker right over here. Peel it back to the fairway, and then this green is set out. You know, uh, past a little uh, like a waste area here. That's uh, kind of sitting on its own, but a nice left to right shot with your fairway metal into this green here will work perfectly. Now, unfortunately, with these fairway metals, a lot of these pros have trouble turning it, uh, hitting it left to right. But if you are somebody that is very comfortable doing that. That works for you. But overall, though, you know, I mean, I think there's a reason why you don't really know much about um, Scottsdale from the front nine. I mean, this is one of the more mainstream golf courses, and everyone knows the back nine for obvious reasons that it gets you. But front nine, relatively, I think, forgettable. I mean, you just have kind of an ordinary par three, 183 yards here for the fourth. Everything is very right out in front of the player um, on most of the um, opening nine here. You know, everything's pretty dead straight right out in front of you. Just avoid the bunker. Maybe start it that way. Work it back. Not a ton of, I would say, interesting holes on the front end here. You know, here's the sixth screen. You got a lot of bunkers you got to contend with, but nothing too spectacular. But the back nine is definitely, and I want to just get to that. The back nine is definitely... Um, why this golf course is, I wouldn't call it architecturally great if you're into that, but it creates a lot of drama and there's a lot of opportunities on the back nine to make your round or break your round. And it kind of starts off right here on the, on the first nine here. So this is a sharp, this is the 10th hole, a sharp dog leg left or dog leg right hole, almost 90 degrees. You see a lot of guys try and carry the bunker here, 
And if they do that, they can be very successful. You know, they shove a, basically a wedge in. But, you know, you also see some guys, maybe they, um, you know, pull it a little bit into the rough here. It sets up a lot longer approach on into the green. Uh, these greens can play kind of firm, too. These bunkers are also very small here. So, you know, especially when the pin is over on the right side right here, trying to get up. And if you land this bunker here, it's going to be tough to get up and down. Uh, the 11th hole, though, this is, I think, <laughs> if you are somebody who likes to watch car crashes, maybe you're a NASCAR fan, loves Talladega, loves Daytona. This hole is for you. This fairway is borderline unfair, especially when it's playing very firm. All so if you have a tee shot that starts, you know, middle to left off the off the tee here, it's probably bouncing in the water here because of how firm the fairways are. The fairway kind of slopes a little bit towards the water here, and that's why you see guys just hilariously bail outright because if you get the ball going you know, once it hits the ground because it's so firm at this golf course, sometimes if there's not a lot of rain, balls are just going to go right into the water. So I think if you were going to play this golf course, if you're a pro, I would definitely want to start off on the front nine. It's definitely more benign because first three hole, and I'll get to the next hole. First three holes, you can really put yourself behind the eight ball. Either if you hit a bad drive on 10, you don't carry the corner there. Or you hit, maybe push it way left. You hit it in the water on 11. And then, you know, even on the approach shot too, you can see guys hitting the water there. And then number 12, if you go deep here, you, know, you, you maybe, you know, wipe it a little right, go a little deep, that's also going to find water as well. And I think the, there's not a lot of rough here. If you go long, it's going to run to the water. You can get off to a really horrible, horrible start um, at this golf course with the first three holes. So if you're somebody who's maybe a slow starter, don't draw uh, a tee time that has, um, you know, where you start on the back. Let's go over to the 15th. So this is where the the round really ramps up. And everybody, I think, knows this closing stretch because there's been a lot of really dramatic moments in this tournament with these first, you know, next couple holes. Now, the 15th uh, hole here, you got an island green par five. You got water all the way down to the left. Again, you see guys just kind of hilariously bail out to the right here. Um, but for the most part, you know, we'll talk about the, the length of the rough. It's not all that penal. It's not all that thick. Guys can generally get it to the green into unless they hit just a really bad approach shot. Most guys kind of try and um, just bail out in this bunker here. It's relatively easy up and down based on where the pin is. But again, there's a lot of water here, a lot of opportunities for guys to really screw up. I remember, I think in 2020, Webb Simpson was neck and neck with Tony Finau, who I bet that year, and he hit it in the water on 15. It looked like he was done. And then Webb Simpson ended up birding 16, 17, 18 to force a playoff. And he ended up winning a playoff, and I was very sad leading up into this rule. But, you know, you also get, you know, you start hearing the buzz of the crowd as well with the 16th. Um, you know, it's, you start feeling it a little bit if you're in contention. You know that the 16th has a lot of pressure behind it. You know, you have to birdie the par fives as well. You have to score on these. There's a lot of pressure to get a birdie here before you go to the closing stretch. Then you get to the 16th. Everyone knows it. This the the, uh, the Google Earth, Earth here though really doesn't do it justice. It shows you what this looks like uh, 352 days of the year when there's no grandstands around it. It's a very ordinary two tiered green uh, par three. 
that's about 150 yards. You know, you can move, actually move with the tee box. It would be about a wedge, but maybe I can go back in time where you see, where we see the stands here. Um, where is it? Well, there's, they're constructing it. There we go. Kind of grainy. This is why this hole is great. It's not the greatest par three, as some people try to argue with me in golf, but everyone knows it. And listen, I'm somebody who doesn't really love a lot of crowd noise. I think there's a lot of um, just, you know, look at me, look at me stuff with people just who shout things. But this is iconic, this hole, where you have guys just going wild, you know, party atmosphere. It's nice to have it once in a while. This is nice. Um, you know, it's, it's, and it, it can be very nerve wracking. You've seen guys shank it off of, uh, the grandstands over on the right here. I think Ian Poulter famously did that here. You know, it's, it's good. But for me personally, if I was ever going to go to this tournament, I probably would kind of out as on the 17th here. Let's get rid of, uh, this grainy video here. This is a hole that I think is very intriguing. Uh, it is the drivable par four 17th. And I can think of, a lot of pivotal moments at this tournament where the leaderboard flipped on this hole, mostly because of car crashes. But I remember, I think mid, maybe 2015, 2016, Ricky Fowler had uh, a lead. He ended up pulling, I think, three wood uh, down the stretch here, ends up hitting the down slope here and runs all the way through the green into the water. And he ends up, I think uh, bogeying the hole ends up in a playoff with Hideki Matsuyama ends up putting it again in the water and the playoff ends up losing 2019, the year that Ricky actually ended up winning. Uh, he probably should have choked it away, but he ended up winning. Um, he, uh, Brandon Grace was neck and neck with him and he ended up duck hooking it into the water over here. Uh, the year Brooks Kepka won 2021. He hit a, a shot down to this collection area over here. Ends up getting uh, chipping in for birdie to steal that tournament. So, you know, and then a couple of years ago, see Tagala nursing, a, I think either a tie for the lead or a lead ends up duck hooking it into the water here. He ends up hitting a pretty good drive, but it just leaks into the water here. This is a very dramatic hole. This is definitely one of my favorite holes on the PGA tour, not necessarily because of this composition, but just because of the variance that this can create. You can make a tournament. You can break a tournament. You can get eagle here. You can get double bogey here. And this is definitely one of the reasons why this tournament is so great down the stretches because I think this hole in particular is one of the best closing holes on the PGA Tour just because of all the drama that it brings here. And then the 18th hole, you know, I mean, it's okay. It's a little gimmicky. You got these church pew bunkers over here that aren't really in play anymore for these guys. They hit it so long and with the altitude, they kind of blast it way over it. I think a couple of years ago, maybe Fowler was in uh, one of these church pews. This is basically thick fescue. You know, it took a little bit to get up and down there, but most guys take pretty much all these bunkers out of place. Sets up a short iron into the green, but you know, again, this is another opportunity to get a birdie on the hole. I know Webb Simpson uh, birdied this hole uh, back in 2020 in order to uh, get into a playoff and steal one from Tony Fee. Now overall though, look high level, as far as this golf course, fantastic closing stretch of holes where this tournament always seems like it delivers down the stretch. It's why this tournament is very popular. It's why this tournament is one of the best on the PGA Tour. 
between the party raucous atmosphere on the 16th hole to holes, especially on the back nine that I showed you, a lot of opportunity for just variance at this place. And that's what makes tournaments great and dramatic. And it needs more types of tournaments. Like the PG tour needs ways to generate juice and buzz. And one of the ways is to have a golf course that can actually generate a lot of drama on its own based on how the holes are and promoting high variance scores where things can kind of just flip at the end. So hopefully if you're, you know, something like that happens again this year, you're on the right side of it. If you're on the wrong side of it, at just golf. So why don't we take another break and then we will get into the nitty gritty, the stats of this golf course, what works, what doesn't, you know, some history behind it. And then maybe what I'm looking for, uh, for this tournament this year. All right, let's talk to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Peer-to-peer social betting is a new and better way to bet. Bet directly against your friends or other users on sports, politics, pop culture, and other events with verifiable outcomes, plus tons of fun social features that give the feel of betting social networks. Uh, Cut offers lower VIG and fully customizable odds. You can create your own bets. Cut handles the payment side of things so you never have to chase down anyone for money. And it's got social features like group chats, betting leaderboards, head-to-head history, user profiles, fan groups, and more. It also gives you rewards. Every time you, you bet on Cut, you get cash back so you can get more money into your account and bet your friends more and more. So Cut also allows you to list almost any kind of bet. It's perfect for getting action on any type of funds who will prop bet. They might not be available for you. So Cut is the peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Head to Cut.com, that's K-U-T-T.com, and use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets. Win bigger and bet smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame Bets, sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame Bets' revolutionary parlay optimizer tool. Get hit rates broken down by leg as well as expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. So stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame bets. All right, we got a couple of uh, comments in, in the stream here. Tomcat, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, always happy to drop but knowledge for you guys. Uh, you know, I'm assuming you're with your comment about that rolls off the right shelf there. I'm assuming that probably is uh, number 12. Yeah. If you hit it a little bit far right, it's going to roll right into the water there. And that par three, again, another hole that just creates a lot of variance. Uh, and yeah, this is definitely one of the more unique tournament setups on the PG tour, a league that desperately needs positive mainstream mojo and organic energy that it just cannot create on its own. All right. Let's get rid of that and let's pull up GCSA. This is actually last year's tournament fact sheet, but I don't expect any changes. Uh, there's one thing I got reminded of that was a change last year that actually uh, changed a little bit how this tournament played that we'll go over in just a little bit. But like I mentioned, uh, this is at TBC Scottsdale at the stadium course. It was built <coughs> excuse me, in 1986 by Tom Weisskopf and Jay Morris. Tom Weisskopf also did uh, TBC Craig Ranch, which is um, not as successful <laughs> as this golf course. He also did work at uh, the Olympic Club, which is going to host the PGA Championship, I think, in 2029. Although I think Gil Hans might have went in there and uh, maybe undid some of his work. But uh, in 2014, uh, Tom Weisskopf also did another renovation to, you know, I think, you know, 
add some more difficulty, especially I think around the green at this place, that you know makes it a little more entertaining than what it was. Uh, average green size, 7,069 square feet. That is larger than PG Tour average. Uh, you know, last couple of weeks we've been dealing with the municipal greens at Torrey Pines that were about 5,000 square feet. We're dealing with the tiny, desperately needed needs a renovation greens at the Pebble Beach that are less than 3,500 square feet. These are big greens, a lot of real estate to work with. Um, you know, a lot of opportunity to, uh, you know, go pin hunting because there are generous areas, but also, you know, ways if you are in trouble, you can bail out by just hitting the middle of the green, getting with your two putt and rolling along. The, let's go with the agronomy though. So once again, like we did with Amex, this is an overseeded golf course. Naturally, most when it's warmer weather, this is Bermuda base. However, uh, it's cold this time of year and we're actually over the weather port. It's going to be pretty cold next week. And what happens when you have a Bermuda golf course that is cold, Bermuda goes dormant, turns brown. And especially with this type of tournament where it's waste management, their logo is green. There's a lot of recycling initiatives there. They want this thing to be as green and pop as possible. So not only do they apply on the green survey, Poa Trivialis overseed, which is your typical overseeded uh, grass that you know people prefer when they overseeding. They also add ryegrass to it, which just gives it that really deep green look. And it, I think it's more aesthetic, but it also makes the greens roll really good here. We'll go over some putting stats, but guys can make a lot of putts here because unlike what we saw at the POA a couple weeks ago, or the last couple of weeks, these balls were really good. You get your line, you get your speed, the ball's going to go in. There's no luck box of hitting a POA butt or anything here. Um, you get grown with a putter at this golf course. You, you are comfortable on putting these greens. You can make a lot of putts. Uh, collars and approaches, again, you got a ryegrass, bentgrass, POA, trivialis mix there, again, to make it that really deep green, the kind of what they're looking for. <clears throat> Excuse me, the fairways, perennial ryegrass, fine fescue, overseed, the rough here. So, again, overseeded rough, ryegrass and fine fescue, a little slight change or not a slight change. I don't know if it's the same this year, but I remember last year, I noticed that typically the rough here was about two and a half inches. And for whatever reason, they cut it down to only two inches. It could have been weather related. I think actually it was pretty cold and I think they had maybe a wet uh, winter leading in. Might have affected how the overseat came in. So maybe they chose to only have it two inches. But it also could have been because it was such a star-studded field with a lot of really good drivers. I thought it was a theory that maybe they wanted to make the rough not all that deep to kind of allow guys to kind of blast it everywhere to give the guys who are better drivers, who are usually the better players in the PGA Tour, more of an opportunity to rise up the leaderboard. And we kind of saw that happen. But uh, it also made uh, playing from the rough off the tee, if you hit, if you were in the rough off the tee, one of the least penal places uh, on the PG Tour that we'll go over in a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's the grind. Again, very important to understand that while this is a Bermuda golf course, most years this is overseeded. Um, you know, it makes it a little different. I'll have in my column uh, the golf courses that are overseeded. Just top of mind, though, the only other golf course I know that's overseeded that also has this ryegrass in it. Is TBC Scotts or TBC Sawgrass again looking for this deep emerald green look because the PG Tour is so sensitive to appearances and how it looks. And lo and behold, Scotty Scheffler won the players last year. He put really well there. Maybe there's something to that. 
let's go over the core stats. So let me, let me zoom in a little bit too. I know this is kind of small. Okay, there we go. So these are their rankings from, uh, you know, with data golf. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm a big proponent of it. If you are on the fence about getting their, uh, you know, premium package or uh, getting stuff behind the paywall, all this stuff I'm showing you right here, I believe is not behind a paywall. But if you are somebody who is on the fence, sign up. Uh, it's worth it. This is free advertising. not paying me to say this. Uh, I am a huge proponent. It is tremendously helpful. And they have a lot of tremendously helpful stuff like this stuff. So what this measures here is basically the types of difficult, you know, difficulty in the approach shots. Now, there's some 85 golf courses listed in their database since 2015. So in general, off the tee and with putting, fairly easy conditions. And just like the type of golf course it is, fairly easy to do with this golf course with a couple caveats that I'll get to with the driving in a little bit. Where the difficulty seems to be at TBC Scottsdale is around the green with their approach play. Uh, and I, I think it's a little bit weather dependent too. I remember last year it was very cold and windy in uh, the first couple rounds there. I think that's probably why last year was one of the toughest golf courses to hit approach shots on the PG Tour because of those conditions. But then you get some other years. I think in 2021 where it was just dome conditions. I don't think it played as firm as other years. Fairly easy approach shots. So the weather might be a little bit of a factor as far as how difficult it is to hit your approach shots, how difficult it isn't. Around the green, that's usually pretty consistently one of the tougher ones on the PGA Tour. Um, you know, there's a lot of tight lies around the green. Obviously, when you're tightening off of tight ryegrass, similar to like Augusta National, the same grass is what you're, you know, chipping off of from those tight fairway lies there. You know, some of that grass can be kind of sticky. Uh, you know, you you can stick the club into it and, you know, maybe you don't get quite as good contact with the ball chipping off tight lies there. Uh, the greens are also big. So if you miss in the wrong spot, there's a lot of real estate you got to navigate to, to get to the hole, you know, the greens can play kind of firm as well. So if you're someone who might be struggling, um, for, you know, with your around the green game, this might not be a very good golf course for you, especially if you're not hitting a lot of greens, but let's go over everything in, uh, you know, each category. I'll, Point out some pertinent things. Let's start with driving first, and let's actually switch to uh, values here. So, this golf course consistently has one of the higher driving uh, yardages on the PGA Tour, and it's primarily because you basically can hit driver on all holes. There's unlike at Pebble Beach, we saw last week, you know, a lot of forced layups here. This way, you pull driver everywhere, and usually it plays pretty firm too. You have the altitude as well. I think it's at like 2,200 feet elevation. Most guys are able to hit it a very long ways here. Uh, even your Billy Horschels or Alex Norens or Denny McCarthy, especially with the firm conditions, the altitude, you hit the fairway, ball's going to roll. So that's why you see a lot of really big driving distances here. Not very high driving accuracy rates here. You know, only historically about 56%. I think the PG Tour is like 60% or so. So, you know, not very easy to hit fairways, but... You know, that's mostly because, of, you know, there's a lot of room off the tee, but I think it's because of the firm conditions where, and because the ball is going farther, you know, there's more opportunity that if you're a little bit offline, it's going to land the rough there, or it's going to bound into the rough based on the firm conditions. But as far as if it's actually penal to miss a fairway here, let's, uh, I mean, these numbers don't really mean anything to you. Let's go to the rankings here. Overall, it's about, you know, middle of the road. To miss a fairway here, the difference in the score between if you're in the fairway and if you weren't 
you know, it's about PGA Tour average, it's about like a 0.35 stroke difference per hole. Now, the rough here, not a lot of difference at all between your score if you hit an approach shot out of the rough here and if you're in the fairway. And we noticed here it was one of the bottom five last year. If you were hitting out of the rough, your approach shot out of the rough into the green as far as your score on the hole, I think that's because of the lower rough. Uh, I think that was a direct correlation there. Uh, your non-rough penalty, that's like your fairway bunkers, your, um, you know, like your waste areas, if you're really offline, you know, that's actually, that's one of the lower penalties as well, because it's kind of a luck box at that point. We saw a couple of years ago with Jordan Spieth, he was blasting it way into the desert, but he was avoiding the cactus bushes, he was avoiding the, avoiding the boulders. And if you can do that, you know, you have a pretty clean line, you get ball first contact, it's just kind of sitting there on, you know, some pebbles and rocks is okay. But this penalty fraction here, this is what you want to keep in mind. We kind of looked at a little, a little bit with the Google Earth stuff. Uh, one of the highest rates and penalties incurred off the tee for op, for missed fairways. And obviously, I think a lot of that has to do with hole number 11, where if you have the ball just starting a little far left, it's going to roll right in. Um, you know, there, you also have the opportunity too that if you're way offline, if you go into the desert, yeah, sure, you could be okay in some places. But there's cactus bushes, there's, um, you know, some rocks and boulders, you know, you can definitely incur a penalty just by an unplayable lie there. Uh, it's not stroke and distance, but, you know, you're dropping for your third at that point. So that is why, you know, yes, there is opportunities where you can get away with it if you are spraying it, but you definitely can get punished if, if you miss the wrong points. And that is an indicative with how high a penalties, you know, how, the percentage of tee shots that incur a penalty uh, at this golf course. Go to approach shots. Um, you know, so 65% green regulation rate, about PGA two or average here. Again, it, I think it depends basically on the weather. Last year, really cold and windy conditions in the first couple of rounds, a lot lower green regulation rates. I think the greens are pretty, playing pretty firm too. But before that, 69%. In 2022, 71% in 2021, a little easier scoring conditions overall that I'll show in a little bit. You know, if, if it's dome golf, if maybe they get a little bit of rain before that, uh, maybe the greens are a little more receptive. They are bigger as well. There's not really a lot of wind or elements these guys got to deal with. They can hit a lot of greens at a fairly high rate. Um, but last year, though, if it was cold and windy, these guys are having a little trouble there. Uh, as far as the difficulty of approach shots here, let's go back to the rankings. You know, Above average difficulty of all golf courses since 2015. You know, it's slightly above average. Last year, you saw that all approach shots were one of the most difficult ones on the PG Tour. That is completely weather-related there. But then you get to 2021, pretty easy uh, conditions to hit approach shots because it's just don't golf, no wind. You know, you saw guys really go flag hunting in that particular year. So yeah, the weather definitely can play a bit of a part in it. Around the green... Uh, one, you know, I mentioned the tight lies around the fairway. One of the toughest places to try and get up and down from uh, from the fairway is at TBC Scottsdale. Again, you know, there's a lot of collection areas. There are you know, is there big greens that you got to maybe you know get um, you know navigate a lot of real estate to get to the pin. If these greens are playing firm as well, you, know, you got to have really good spin control. So. Chipping off the tight lies into some of these greens can be fairly difficult, as evidenced by the scoring there. The rough, again, not very penal, just like with the fairway. There's not a, I don't think there's a ton of rough around the greens at TBC Scottsdale. 
maybe buy, you know, like, you know, maybe the ends of some collection areas, but if you're in the rough, that's actually probably the most ideal place. Uh, the bunkers are actually fairly tough to get up and down from as well. Again, if you miss the wrong spot, there's a lot of real estate you got to navigate. You got to have really good spin control. Um, you know, it, it can be fairly difficult conditions around the green here uh, at TBC Scottsdale. And then putting, though, like I mentioned, with the uh, ryegrass overseed in with the Poe Tribios, these greens roll really good. These are one of the easiest greens to make putts on on the PGA Tour. Basically, if you are a really good putter here and you have confidence with the flat stick, you make a lot of putts under five feet, make a lot of putts between five and 15 feet, you can definitely go low here if you get it going. You know, this, I guess, you know, hopefully what I showed you with this golf course is if you're hitting it good. You can definitely go low here, but if you're booning around, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to really put up high numbers, very high variance golf course here, but um, definitely with putting. If you're hitting really good, you have every opportunity in the world to make a lot of putts. Let's go over historical scoring and just who's won here. So last year, Scotty Scheffler won at 19 under. He was going neck and neck with uh, Nick Taylor. Uh, down the stretch, uh, I was definitely sweating at that point, thinking, uh, you know, maybe uh, single bulleting Scotty uh, wasn't going to work out for me. It did. Uh, but, you know, it's the first couple of rounds here. I, I got highlight here. Plus 1.4 over par. It was really cold and windy the, uh, the first round here. Guys are really struggling. I remember I think I you know, I had a position on Morikawa because I just thought he was a perfect plate. Think of this, but the wind kicked up. He really struggled. I think he ended up missing a cut here. Um. But over the weekend, though, it kind of settled into its average. Usually the average score, if it's dome conditions, no win adversity, usually around a shot under par, maybe a stroke, you know, shade under that. Maybe a lot of guys are kind of hitting the wire incurring penalties. Maybe it pushes it lower there. But, you know, not the toughest of golf courses if you get it going, but, um, you know, not the easiest either. Um, you know, definitely, you know, this 11th hole you see, the average score was 0.56 over par, uh, 21 bogeys, eight doubles. In the final round there, mostly because the guy's hitting the water. What was it in the first round, actually? Yeah, actually, it wasn't all that much, but there were still uh, 50 bogeys to be had uh, in the first round there uh, on number 11 where you get hit in the water. But uh, going back through the years, 2022 here, uh, Scotty Shuffler again won. He won a playoff over Patrick Cantlay. Uh, not very difficult scoring conditions. I think, the again, the first round bled into uh, Friday Guys are finishing up in some colder weather. Maybe that's what pushed down the uh, average score here, but it kind of settled in the rest of the tournament to about what it was, you know, 0.9 under par in round two, stroke under par in round three, uh, 0.8 under par in round four. It was firm, but not a lot of wind, not a lot of adversity. You can go, you know, guys can shoot under par there. Uh, 2021, I think this was one of the easier ones in the last couple of years. Average score minus 1.7 under par. You saw guys just in round two to four just really eat this place up. Uh, average score in round four uh, in 2021 was uh, minus two. I remember because I I bet Brooks mid tournament because it just everyone seemed like they didn't want to win this thing. And coming on the back nine, Brooks I think was like hanging 18 to one live, and I just bet that because I was like, well, he's the only one that seems like he's actually has it today. Uh, but everybody was kind of eating up that golf course that day, minus two under par there. So, you know, and that was dome conditions. So the scoring can definitely be dictated based on the weather. If it's cold, windy, maybe some rain too, you know, maybe those house cats kind of struggle a little bit that we talked about at Pebble Beach last week. Um, that can affect scores. If it's dome conditions, these guys can go low. And the weather, though, 
it's going to be a continuation. These guys are going to, if, if you're playing Pebble Beach, they're going to have to uh, make sure they pack those parkas and rain gear um, for Scottsdale because it'll be cold. They're going to get some rain before the tournament. They're going to get some rain during the tournament. So uh, Thursday, looks like some rain in the morning, which is unusual, I think, for Scottsdale. This is in the desert. Maybe some wind up in the afternoon here. Only a high of 54. That's not very uh, dome conditions here. Friday, you know, maybe a little bit of wind, but not all severe. But again, you know, only high of 59. It's going to be relatively cold. Saturday, Sunday, at least for, you know, not any rain, not a lot of wind. But again, just a lot of cold. So I'm looking at this and, you know, typically in like TBC Scottsdale weather, 70 degrees, altitude, no wind, anything like that. You know, a lot of guys can uh, just get it out there with, you know, with the driver there. Maybe with the colder conditions, it might lengthen a little bit. The fact that it's going to get a lot of rain leading to the tournament as well. Maybe the ball doesn't roll out as much. Maybe this year might favor a little more longer hitters um, than prior years. Maybe if the fairways are running a little softer, maybe balls won't run into the water on 11 this year. Maybe they'll play a little more generous this year than they have. So that's something to watch. Obviously, the weather can change very, you know, drastically through um, the week. You know, I mean, as far as a wave split right now, I would probably say they're probably same with this wind is probably related to the rain. So where that comes when it comes through, I guess I would probably shade Thursday afternoon, Friday morning for the wave splits. But I mean, we're going to need to see a, a firmer weather report before we can really make that conclusion. Uh, let's talk about course fit here. Oh no, my Wi-Fi is uh, going. Well, I'm gonna have to, I guess, just uh, you know, manually explain it to you guys here. But let's pull up Scottsdale here. So this has a higher correlation of guys who drive it really good to success at this tournament. This graph here is a predictive skill set chart. Oh, there we go. My my internet's working now. It's a predictive skill set chart. Uh, this basically shows what types of guys you want to look for at the PGA Tour or, or uh, at, before a golf course. And there's a higher correlation of guys who are longer and guys who are more accurate with the driver who do very well here. Makes a lot of sense from what I talked about. You know, this is a golf course that ha can promote big driving distances here with the altitude and the firmness, but there's a lot of opportunity to get yourself in trouble uh, at this golf course with the high degree of penalties. And that is how you really get yourself out of a tournament here is if you put it in the water or put it behind a cactus bush. Uh, so yeah, guys who drive it really good tend to do well here. Makes a lot of sense with a guy like Scotty Scheffler has won here the last two years. Makes a lot of sense that Brooks Kepka, <clears throat> one of the best drivers in the world. He's won here twice. Even Webb Simpson, though, he's a shorter hitter, but he hits a lot of fairways, stayed out of trouble for the most part. He won here. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it's no surprise that um, I think Murfield Village is, well, maybe not. Bay Hill, actually. Bay Hill is actually one of the higher correlated golf courses to this place as far as skill sets needed and they're predicted to do well. Because again, like at Bay Hill, yeah, we think about Bryson doing well. We think about Scotty Sheffield, who's won there, by the way, uh, a little bit of a crossover there. We think about a lot of bottom roaring. We think about guys who are bombers, but I mean, there's a lot of guys who are fairly accurate to do very well at Bay Hill. And it's all because just avoiding trouble there with all the water hazards there, you know, no surprise that based on the, you know, the driving here, you know, it's very similar to that golf course. 
About PG Tour average as far as approach play, I mean, this is going to be their most predictive skill set anyways, your iron play heading in. Um, a little less predictive with around the green. but And then putting, though. Better putters generally do a little better here uh, than most PG Tour venues, I think because of how well and ro- uh, true these greens roll for the most part at TBC Scottsdale. Um, let's get to uh, what actually separates you in tournament, though, at Scottsdale. So this is different. You know, I, I always like looking at this box here. And for me personally, I love seeing correlated skill sets with what's predictive versus how you separate yourself. And the big theme at this place is got at, you know, more than the average PG Tour venue. If you're driving it really well here, you're going to be able to separate yourself more from everybody else in the field. And that's indicative based on this black point right here. This is the PG Tour average, this green as well as i'm gonna be honest i don't know what the numbers actually mean i just know what it indicates typically the better you drove it in tournament the better chance of success you had here and this is consistent uh all basically almost every year it was really evident back in 2021 again with scotty scheffler won uh or in 2022 in 2021 here a little less maybe because of the easier conditions but in 2020 again a lot a little bit you know, if you drove it better that week, more than the average PG Tour golf course, you were able to separate yourself and do a little better on the leaderboard that week. Uh, approach play generally is a little discounted here. Can't really think of a good reason why. Maybe it's just because it's so heavily skewed towards your off the tee play um, that if you're in the fairway there, your approach shot isn't quite as difficult. Not as high as most PG Tour venues as far as your ability to separate yourself on the leaderboard with your irons. Uh, at least in 2023, 2022, again, the same thing, a little less than the PGs who were average, 2021, same thing. It's still one of the most important metrics to basically separate yourself here is through your iron play. It's not quite as impactful as everywhere else there. Around the green, again, with some of the difficult conditions, guys are able to navigate the greens a little better uh, last year. Did better overall. I think maybe the lower green and regulation rates had something to do with that. Back in 2022, again, same thing. Maybe the tough, you know, lies around the green, tough bunkers. Um, you know, it is fairly difficult conditions. Again, another theme as well in 2021. It's still not the most important uh, metric or way to win a tournament or do well here, but it's a little more important in tournament to do it better than some other venues we've seen. Um, you know, one thing I also want to go back to off the tee as well. So while distance, I, I, I've made this point, I think in a couple of previews uh, before, but when it comes to off the tee, in order to be, you know, from a predictive standpoint, as far as how guys are going to do driving that week, distance is more predictive because the ability to hit fairways is pretty random. You know, you could be just a little bit offline and you're missing a lot of fairways that day. Or you could just be hitting it, driving it really good and you make a lot of fairways. It's kind of similar to putting. But round to round, how you do that day in relation to the field off the tee is way more driven by how many fairways you hit, which makes sense because there is an inherent penalty to not hitting fairways if you hit fairways that day. So what happened last year, though, was... It definitely favored guys. Basically, your your interim strokes gain off the team metric was way more driven by distance last year than accuracy. And I think that's probably because of maybe the less penal rough that they had. You know, it was a little less. There's really no difference between you know, hitting the rough and hitting from the fairway at that point. It's not quite 
uh, the same as prior years. Uh, in 2022, the amount of fairways you hit, like way disproportionately had a better effect on your strokes getting off the tee numbers than it was distance. Uh, in 2021, I mean, it was kind of ran less. Basically, that year off the tee didn't really matter as much, but accuracy was a lot more important than distance. I think it's going to be interesting to watch and see if they have the same tournament conditions that they have last or this year. Uh, if this is going to be the same thing. Also, because it's colder, guys aren't going to be able to carry as far. Maybe the fairways are playing a little softer. Maybe I expect longer guys to have more of an edge again this year. That might be something I maybe look a little more towards. Um, you know, maybe it plays out very similar to what it was in 2023. Uh, 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 and then it was putting again. You know, I think because maybe the, you know, it's very easy to put on these greens harder to separate yourself around the green or on the greens here last year uh, with the type of overseed they had. Same thing in 2022. It was a little harder to separate yourself on the greens in tournament. Um, you know, I think, be, you know, in general, you want to target guys who are pretty good putters. They tends to have more of a success, at least before a tournament when you're picking in tournament though, it's not as impactful to your overall strokes gain, separating yourself in the leaderboard. And then let's talk about um, a pro shot distribution chart. Last year, so last couple of week, uh, last week at Pebble Beach, we talked about wedge play. Huge disproportionate numbers of shots from under 125, 100, 150 yards than the average PGA Tour golf course. Complete opposite this week. Not a ton under 150 yards at this golf course, uh, at least from 75 to 150. It's less than the PGA Tour average. You have about the PGA Tour average from 50 to 75 yards. But it's only 3%. That's one shot. I think that's probably either if you lay up on the par 5 15th or it might be maybe a 50-yard shot, uh, maybe on 17. But a huge disproportionate amount between 150 and 200 last year. Uh, in 2022, it was a little more evenly distributed. I can't think of exactly why, um, but still a higher amount between 150 and 175. This one in 2021 definitely got a little more normalized, uh, slightly higher from 125 to 150, but way more between 151 and 200 here. So going back to last year, about 45% of your shots between 150 and 200. Um, you know, there's a lot less shots between 200 or under or over 200 from this tournament as well. And again, I would expect uh, with the colder conditions, maybe a lot of rain coming in before the tournament, soften up the fairways a bit. Ball's not going to carry as far. Ball might not roll as far. I think this might play a little farther. I think, uh, you know, maybe some uh, proximity buckets shift a little more. Um, but I would definitely focus this week on between your performance between 150 and 200. That seems to be, you know, the highest concentration year to year of the types of pro shots you want to um, look at for your either, if you're still using proximity or if you're on data golf, you're using the stroke scheme per shot metric that I use. Um, that's the range to focus on. We also have some uh, pre-tournament odds available uh, on, for the Phoenix Open. I don't have any bets down. I know a lot of people do. I just didn't really see an appetite to, Try. I, I think actually I looked at the odds, and yes, they've been offering it for six months, but I just didn't see any value. I didn't know who's going to exactly be in the field, but Scotty Scheffler plus three fifty this week. <laughs> uh, I think when I got him a couple years ago, I think he was twenty five to one. Last year, I think he was twelve to one. Uh, not as good of a field. He's two nine defending champion. I, they don't want you betting Scotty this week. He's plus three fifty. 
Xander's 10 to 1, Hovland's 11 to 1, JT's 11 to 1. This is just one book, but Homa's 12 to 1. And then it goes down to a couple guys between 20 and 30, Spieth, Sungjae, Burns, Poston's 25 to 1, Wyndham Clark, maybe he can carry some momentum. From last week, he's 28 to 1. Minwoo Lee, who bombs it everywhere. I'm sure he's going to be a popular pick, 30 to 1. <clears throat> and then you got, you know, basically guys smushed between, you know, 40, 50 to 1. Your Tom Kims, your Matt Fitzpatrick, Hideki is a two time winner here. Uh, your Eric Coles, who's my producer, is going to just bet again because he just has severe FOMO. You know, I mean, you might be able to find some value between 40 and 61. But otherwise, though, if you're looking at top of the board, if you're hoping to get, you know, maybe a discount on some of the top names, you're basically looking at a single bullet here. Uh, probably down the board, you know, a name that caught my eye, Akshay 100 to 1. He's been playing really good this year. I mean, obviously at uh, Kapalua, he had a 54 hole lead. He played pretty well at Tory a couple weeks ago. I don't know exactly how he's going to do on these overseeded greens. I know he typically puts pretty well on POA, but he's hitting the ball pretty good. He's a longer hitter. He's a good driver. That can maybe work. Um, other than that, though, I'll have to take a look. I'll have to dive into the data. But that's where the odds are right now. Um, obviously, we will have uh, – let's get rid of this. Uh, we will have, it's actually a very jam-packed week for us on the Golf Gambling Podcast. Uh, tomorrow, we will have our DFS show with Matt Gannon. Tuesday, we will have our Waste Manager Phoenix Open betting show with Jeff Feinberg uh, coming in. I know we're very excited to have him on the show. I know he's made a bunch of bets um, already. I'm going to try and get him to clear the board and try and maybe help you guys out if you have made a bet what he would actually do today. And then we also have another live event, live Las Vegas. I have broken down the golf course. I have charted out. I'm going to be completely real with you guys. Not a strong offering with where live is going. Um, I would probably describe it as a worse version of TBC Summerlin, which is not a compliment. And then we will have that show actually directly after our betting show on Tuesday. We'll live stream the podcast will get released on Wednesday. And then Thursday, our last NFL show of the year that we were giving to you guys as bonus content. So keep listening to us. We will have our Super Bowl props show on Thursday. We will go over our official pick for the game. We will go over any game props, player props, any novelty props. I know I showed a bunch of novelty props like the Anthem or Taylor Swift stuff to my wife. Uh, she is eager to get off her official pick. A couple years ago, she was absolutely adamant that Mary J. Blige was going to wear uh, hoop ear hoops earrings during the halftime show. And I laid a pretty big bet. I think it like plus 180 and that hits. So she's riding hot with this stuff. She knows her stuff. So it's very important to listen to what my wife is probably going to want to bet uh, for the halftime show or the anthem. So stay tuned for that. But thank you for joining me on this Sunday morning. I always appreciate it. Uh, you guys showing up with the comments here. Uh, please subscribe to our podcast uh, on Apple or Spotify. It really helps us out. Give us a rate and review as well. It uh, doesn't have to be five stars. Give us any rating. We'd love to hear feedback from you. Hopefully it's five stars. Hopefully you enjoy everything we put out. And also make sure to subscribe to our YouTube change uh, page. This is all free that we're giving you. Um, you know, we work hard at this stuff. So 
Go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll have all our anything in podcast form, in video form as well. Um, you know, especially helpful for this preview. So go subscribe there. Subscribe to our podcast. Subscribe on Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And with that, uh, if you're sweating bets, uh, if you're sweating bets for Pebble Beach, you'll swim tomorrow. If you're sweating bets for Live, good luck with that. And with uh, with that, we will see you on Tuesday night. 